recorded live in front of a feline audience, coming to you from coast to coast. It's the Fangirl Film Club. The Fangirl Film Club is a podcast created by adults and featuring adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Fangirl Film Club, a movie podcast where we go deep down the resume of all your fangirl faves. And let me tell you, we've seen some shit. Hi, everybody. have we? (laughs) Happy day, all. (laughs) Hi, I'm Emily J, and I'm joined by my co-host and wonderful friendship, Mia. Mia, Mia, Mia. Hi. (laughs) Hey, girl. Welcome back. Episode six. Oh, man. Episode six. I'm proud of us. I reminded myself in the intro, I was hanging out with a friend for his birthday, and they play these fighting mm-hmm. games, and one of the characters is this cat girl. So, naturally, <laughs> I just had to put on my cat girl voice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and let's see. I just went, I just went, uh, I just went Wisconsin accent there for a second. I was like, oh, hey there. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to hear from you. You're We're looking going, well. Yeah. across the continent here. <laughs> we are just every, every which way, um, which is not, I mean, you know, beef. one thing if this was like on theme for anything that we were going to talk about today, but we're not. Um, in fact, we don't go very far at all in today's little adventure. Well, um, I could stretch well, things. I mean, I, I guess. Try to, yeah. We could. Online personas. Yeah. A lot is open to interpretation, much like. I'd say the ending of this film. My online um, persona. This, your fursona? Did you just say that? Not me personally, <laughs> <With an> F- <laughs> but. <laughs> okay. I didn't, and even if you did, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to out you as like an online furry. I don't think you are. No. It, it, it's totally fine if you are. No. Of all of That's the things, of all of the things that I would have shame about in my life, like I think we've aired enough of them that I would. I don't you would have told to me by be- now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I live. I live in. I exist in a shame-free zone. I just auditioned for a show where they put on the audition form. Uh, is there anything you would be uncomfortable or embarrassed about doing on stage? And I have been friends with the director for fifteen years, and I'm like the. And you know me, Mia, this is, you're going to be super confused because I'm like the wild child to her very straight-laced self. Um, and she's, so she's directing. And so I was put on the on the audition form when it said, you know, are you embarrassed about anything on stage? I just wrote, oh, please. <laughs> I I don't exist. I don't have shame and anything. Sorry. I've, I've been a podcaster and an actress for too long. There's... Shadow boxing from uh, Rocky Horror when they do Rocky Horror on stage and they just pull it straight yes. from Austin Powers where they're yanking stuff out of his ass. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. Perfect. I don't, care. I don't even need to. Be, I don't even need to be paid. I've never been paid to be an actor, so <laughs> this is just who I am. It's just whatever. Anyway, um, so. I don't actually, I was going to say, nothing that we're talking about right now has anything to do with the movie that we decided to watch this week, which was Don't Worry Darling. It was my choice. Sorry. Um, always start out with an apology for the things I inflict <laughs> on you, my love. I don't think you I think need movies an apology I like. this time. I know. No, I don't okay. really think I need All an right, apology cool. this time. So. 
Um, all right. Well, Don't Worry Darling came out recently, came out this year, 2022. Yes. We don't know when yes. this is coming out, so we have no idea what time of year, what the world will look like when you're listening to this. Um, but in 2022, this movie came out when we recorded this episode, and it was directed by Olivia Wilde. There's going to be some air quotes here because I have some shade. Written Ew. by Katie Silberman. Um, and doesn't quite fit the bill for our usual offerings but i personally watched this movie for florence Pugh, so i yes. think it's part of the fangirl film club yes so. she's she is the most radiant part of this movie most definitely like she's she is the most radiant me, part of anything that she's part of I she can do her. no wrong for me at this point like at this point i would watch her read a phone book i would let her hit me with her car <laughs> I would do anything she asked me to do. That's fine. That's nice. Speaking of no shame, extra no shame when it comes to Florence. Yes. So I watched it for her. I think Mia set me on fire and whatever. I'll yeah, love. she could do that, and I I would be like, you know what, babe, that's fine. If that's Good what you me. need to do. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Make you own that moment, Florence. We love you for it. Um, but yeah, so I say quote unquote written by Katie Silberman. Um, also more so I would say written by Carrie and Shane Van Dyke. Uh, but mm-hmm. we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get into that fun little ripple later. Um, but in the, in, to begin with, um, do we, should we, should we start talking about I what this movie's love, about or do I need I love to have you pitch it to I pitch me? It? Yeah. All right. Well, Mia, um, this week's hottest new club is called Don't Worry, Darling. And it has everything. It has drunk bisexual housewives. It -hmm. has evil synchronized swimming. Mm -hmm. Cult leader Chris Pine. Florence Pugh having multiple floorgasms. And secret, pathetic incel Harry Styles. I'm going to count the number of times we say incel in this episode because <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a lot. I think we should impose a drinking game to our listeners. Every time we say the word incel, you get to take a shot. <laughs> a shot. I so wish I'd thought of this before <laughs> so that we could also shot, be drunk by the time we were as everybody in the movie. So, Yes. So I think that's obviously the pitch that uh, Olivia Wilde made to get this movie funded. But what uh, what was the outcome, Miss Mia? Would you like to Would you like to tell us? All right, <laughs> short amount of time later. as possible. <laughs> this is not I sure going am. to. Yeah. This is not going to fit. All right. All right. Whenever you're ready. Florence Pugh is Alice Go. and Harry Styles is Union Jack live in an Iqua house in the suburban 1950s with their hot and strangely diverse group of friends. They all belong to a project slash cult called Project Victory led by Chris Pine, a.k.a. Frank, who controls the media, the food, the clothing industry, and some kind of wellness shit that he peddles to everyone in the community, all of whom buy into it except for the beautiful Angel Margaret who tells Alice that they're being controlled. Alice sees a plane crash, plane crash in the desert and goes past the borders to HQ where she finds a mirror building and touches it going into flashes of Frank's voice and eyeball, dancing women, and other trippy shit. Jack gets progressively more gaslighty, particularly when Alice witnesses Margaret kill herself and the Red Men of Victory haul her off, forcing Alice back into her home. 
Alice gets electroshock therapy where it's revealed she's actually a badass young ass doctor in modern times and her greasy, horribly American accented boyfriend is an incel who listens to Frank's next EMS podcast about men being better has actually kidnapped her and forced her into a virtual simulation as his wife. All hell breaks loose, and Olivia Wilde knew it was a simulation the whole time, so Alice kills Jack, which means he dies in the real world like Inception, and runs back to HQ, narrowly beating out Chris Pine's red men. By the way, Chris Pine has been killed by his hot wife, Gemma Chan, so she can go back to the real world and tell everyone about the women being held hostage by their husbands or boyfriends. You (laughs) did that in one minute and eight seconds, which was very impressive. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. We needed to know that Margaret was a blissful, perfect angel. We needed yes. to know that that Harry Styles is a greasy, horribly accented American incel. We needed these things. These did not take away from the narrative at, narrative at all. And it was very important information. So I say, you. well done, you. you. Ooh, but we have so, some stuff to unpack. Boy, oh boy, is this a movie. Sure is. Um, to quote, I want to, you know, why don't we just quote, uh, quote Harry Styles? It's a movie that really feels like a movie, you know? <laughs> it sure feels it, like a movie. Uh, so my favorite thing about this movie was that it really feels like a movie. <laughs> so pretty, so dumb. So not, should you. not be allowed That's... on his own press tours. That's <laughs> paying good money. That's what. Say <laughs> that's what being on the X Factor at fourteen will get you. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. So um, okay. So I, to be perfectly fair, I think if this is another movie that if it had been presented differently, mm-hmm. or if I had gone in totally cold, right. I might have liked it more. Yeah, I have a feeling that yeah. the hype, um, the hype was a lot, and of course, all mm-hmm. of the press bullshit that happened around this movie <laughs> definitely overshadowed. Um, you know, as positive as I could feel about it, I didn't. You know, yeah. I was entertained. I enjoyed watching it, and mm-hmm. I had a good time. I thought it was a fun concept. I mean, it looks beautiful. Yes, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean every every actor is perfection, and they have beautiful. (laughs) Everybody looks great. Let's say that. Um, Yes, and and when they're supposed to look bad, they look really bad. Um, But the uh, the. I, I, now I'm thinking about the accent part. Now just remind me to come back to that in a second. But yes. okay, so the costuming I thought was gorgeous. Everybody was yes. so tailored and they just looked fucking amazing. And I mean, Olivia Wilde knows how to use a camera. Like she's, yeah. she, it was well shot. It was the just like, was really nice. I, Set design was really nice. Yeah. It's lovely to look um, at. Yeah. I mean, it is. And in the aesthetic is, is, perfect throughout um it's it's exactly what it says on the tin as far as like what the victory project is supposed to be like and look like um the story itself i think is where it's uh kind of falls apart because i feel like it didn't know it didn't know what it was being derivative of that's how it felt to me it was like are we stepford wives are we truman show are we what are we 
we've got i have and, i wrote uh, down two big plot holes um mm-hmm. and then the other concern is i feel like the pacing messes mm-hmm. up because we are being i think led into a couple of different directions before the big reveal i think that yeah. there's a lot of focus on um trying to keep the audience guessing a little bit which takes away from i think what an overall plot could have and should have been Mm-hmm. i agree Wish. um this is the most intelligent what? conversation we've had about a movie that we've watched so far. <laughs> I know. We were talking before we started recording about how we were having a dumb conversation. And it was like, I said, like, this is the dumbest thing we've ever talked about. And Mia kindly reminded me that no, it was not. And then I remembered most of our dumb conversations are recorded. And this There's is a really, I'm proud of us. <laughs> There's significant documentation of the stupid shit we have talked about together and uh, this is a very I think this is a really really nicely pulled together uh, mature conversation we're having it took us six episodes to get here but we're really talking about this movie um, the okay so I don't podcast know okay well it's like a podcast it's a podcast you know I think it's my favorite part of it it's really starting to feel like a podcast um Listen, Harry Styles can take it, okay? He can take us shitting on him because he's Harry Styles and he's obnoxiously handsome. Yeah. And talented and um, doesn't know how to behave on a press tour. So that's, nope, that's where we are. Also, I love that (laughs) that he... I don't know if it was made narratively for him or if they were just like, hey, it's weird that you and your natural British accent do not sound like you're actually from Britain. So we're going to pretend like you're faking this British accent to make oh, up for it. Because I have a made up in their specifically. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad. Because... Um, my yeah. my perspective, what I kind of view as probably what was the impetus for the accent shift. Um, mm-hmm. So the made-up Oscar, which we'll do this one prematurely. We'll get to the other ones later. Um, That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the made-up Oscar for an American accent so bad that a nationality change was written into the plot for exactly one character goes to Harry Styles. I just I wonder if Gemma Chan just like laughed at him the whole time. It's like get your fucking shit together. <laughs> well, when we think like it was originally supposed to be Shia LaBeouf in this role, right? Which, which would be so drastically bad. different. It, this would be a completely different movie. Um, yeah, I think I would yeah. much more easily believe him as an incel. Which, granted, the makeup uh, department did not hold back on making Harry Styles no. look greasy and unbecoming. But no, eating tuna out of the can. Ooh. Yeah, um, so disgusting. No, but no, okay. Kind of so convinced that he was supposed to have the American accent the whole time, but because his American accent was just so bad, they decided to write it into the script. Like, all right, we're going to add this teeny tiny snippet of a scene. Where you can change your nationality to your decided persona in this universe. 
Now, and it's interesting because I, the, there was a couple times where in the, especially in the beginning that I was listening to Harry Styles speak and I was thinking like, is he trying mm-hmm. to sound American? Because wow, he sucks at it. Like he's yeah. worse than Orlando Bloom. Like yeah. Orlando Bloom is just cute. And the fact that like, he can't do it unless like the, like he can't speak more than a whisper. Yes. Which is why Elizabeth Town is my favorite movie ever of Orlando Blooms. Um because he just he just whispers through the entire thing because he can't he can't do it. Which is fine, yeah. but I was like, Harry Styles cannot do an American accent. He's got like no. it's like every third word mm-hmm. kind of sounds like it. And I was like, that are they really trying to do that? And then it kind of relaxed for the rest Shit. of the movie and he was just British. Yeah. Which I was like, okay. Particularly fine, in the um, the party scene at the very beginning, I hear him just kind of go back mm-hmm. and forth. I'm like I don't, I don't know what we're getting at here. Yeah. And I don't know if that's on purpose. If they thought this was going to be an artistic choice to make it sound like okay, we're just easing into Florence Pugh's mind state of mind at this point. But mm-hmm. I, I don't. You know, I, I think- don't want to give that much credit. <laughs> I know. I feel like we're we're giving an awfully long leash to Mr. Styles here. Um, we're trying really hard to make it seem like any of this was intentional, and I just don't think that it was. What would have been interesting, I think, is if I know, and I know why Shia LaBeouf was why he quit. Why he says he quit, and why Olivia Wilde says he got fired. Um, Again, who do we believe? We don't know. Uh, neither feels like a particularly sound source after all the other shit that's gone down with this movie. Yes. But um, but what would have been interesting is if when they had done the flashback, when she had remembered, mm-hmm. if the incel version of Jack Chambers was Shia LaBeouf. And that he just chose to be the enigmatic beauty that is Harry Styles right uh in the in the VR setting right I think that would have been more interesting I mean I could take it another step further and this is just me what is interesting to me in a movie um especially with I guess like the climate now is that and don't get me wrong they did a wonderful job of making Harry Styles look like the greasy incel but mm-hmm. it would have been really interesting because of what, from what I've read, Olivia Wilde was trying to do with making the podcast, making the cult leader like Jordan Peterson esque, yes, is to make yeah. him a normal looking guy. Because I think when we yeah. dismiss like these incels being mm-hmm. the dudes who miraculously get a girlfriend with the basement dwellers, <laughs> the yeah, yeah the. Yeah. The neck beards, yeah. I think it's a lot easier to kind of dismiss that phenomenon, but there are perfectly normal looking people who buy into Jordan Peterson's bullshit, and I think that would have been mm-hmm. a more interesting a more interesting direction to go, but I have a few grievances. Yeah. So <laughs> what I a, have what a few it? grievances also with how uh Olivia Wilde promoted this movie before it mm-hmm. came out like not this is not press tour stuff this was when, like when she was asked about it which I don't know I kind of am part of the I'm party like of the party of like don't don't talk about it until until it's done like don't 
Right. Like you're, you're given, like she was giving like way too much away. Mm-hmm. And part of the back and forth with her and Florence that I heard anyway, or read about or whatever, mm-hmm. was that like, first of all, she kept saying it was a mix of the Truman Show, Inception and the Matrix, which like, boy, <laughs> Olivia, that was a generous stretch in yes. any direction because <laughs> There was like half an idea borrowed from any of those. And yes. it was like, mm, still not really. No. All that um, I got from Inception was if you die in here, you die in the real world. And that's really. Yeah. And that's a throwaway <laughs> line. And that's also like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> Freddy Krueger also said that. So <laughs> let's be real. Christopher Nolan, you stole that from Freddy Krueger. Um, but so. She was saying all those things and then she was also saying like, but it's not what you think. And it's like, it's exactly what you think it is. As soon as, as soon as the veil slips the slightest bit, which it does in the first 10 minutes, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, this is Stepford Wives. This is all this is. Mm -hmm. Um, But then she also kept saying like that it was, you know, written for the female gaze. And she was like, and women, you know, because women get to come in this one. She said that like more than once. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, yes, there's the whole weird rating thing in Hollywood in the rating system about like if you have the camera on a woman's face when she orgasms, it has to be rated R. But if you have right. the camera on the man's face when he orgasms, it can be PG thirteen. Fine. Whatever. That's fucked up. Okay, yeah, we get it. There's fine. Right. But that doesn't inherently make it a feminist film. Right. And that doesn't make a feminist statement of, oh, well, you know, this movie is, is you know, a powerful feminist film, which people were saying that's what she was making. And it's like, no, she wasn't. Um, just because we get to watch Florence Pugh have multiple orgasms. Right. And what Florence Pugh then said later on was she was like, I don't like hearing that it's being promoted as that because I don't want people coming to a movie just so like only buying a ticket or wanting to see a movie because they want to watch Harry Styles go down on me. That's not why I made this movie. And I don't like hearing that that's what it's about when that's not what it's about. So figure out another way to talk about it. And then like Olivia Wilde got all pissed off and was like, me, me, me. I'll talk about my new boyfriend however I want. Florence (laughs) Pete was like, whatever, do whatever the fuck you want. I'm going to show up late and kind of drunk with my best friend, Chris Pine, to Venice and (laughs) act like promoting this movie at that film festival was just like an inconvenient chore on our bestie vacation that we took to Italy together. I love love them. them. I love them so much. I love them so much. I love that Chris Pine showed up with a disposable camera and just took all the pictures of Florence Pugh on the red carpet. (laughs) Like the proud dad that he is. (laughs) Just the cool stepbrother. The cutest. The coolest stepbrother. I love him so much. Um, He was a joy to watch in this movie. He was hilarious. Yes. And um, I also love that when that he did base the character and his performance and portrayal of him on Jordan Peterson and when Jordan Peterson, you know, manly man, God to the incels found out about this, he went on his podcast and he cried like a baby man about how unfair it was and how (laughs) 
how they completely misunderstood what he tried to bring to the world. And it's so hard to be me, Mr. Rich and Famous. <laughs> going on book promoting tours. The idea of going on book tours, promoting the idea of purely toxic masculinity, saving the planet. So hard. Oh, so sorry, Jordan Peterson. Cried like a little fucking bitch because Chris Pine... <laughs> It's such a good job of portraying him. And I so think this is going to take me to my more. second made-up Oscar because I don't, I don't have oh, a yeah. lot of background on the movie. I don't have a lot of background mm-hmm. on the inspirations. I browsed the trivia page on IMDb this time rather than... That was my job. Yeah, that was my job this week. So, But um, uh, the made-up Oscar for the biggest amalgamation of cult leaders wrapped into one character most certainly goes to Chris Pine because... I think the first thing that I was reminded of was Nexium in watching this. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like Nexium, yeah. obviously some Jonestown mm-hmm. because they have this idea of like we're this heroic, groundbreaking society. We're changing the world. Yeah. yeah. So I think whether or not he, you know, took direct inspiration from all of these different places, I think he definitely made made the made the concept of cult his own. um yeah and he was he was you i mean obviously he was the cult leader and obviously he was in charge of all this and he was clearly the antagonist um Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say he's the villain because i think you know we could argue that the villain is really toxic masculinity and the patriarchy um we could we could argue that point true villain of it (laughs) the true villain of every piece. Um, But he was definitely the antagonist. I loved how he played off of Florence, especially at that dinner party scene. And also um, just like that. He wasn't, he wasn't cartoony. Yeah. I guess he wasn't like a cartoon villain cult leader type. Like he didn't have all the women, you know, having to have sex with him. Like he didn't, you know, demand certain. (laughs) In bad times at the El Royale, aren't you? I was going to say, he kept his shirt on like 99% of the time. Um, he didn't have, yeah, he didn't have like a creepy hypnotic stare. He was just, he was just such a good, I mean, Chris Pine is such a handsome, yes, perfect American man that, yeah. you know, the idea that, that these, these men who felt lesser because the world changed without their permission or whatever the fuck Jordan Peterson is telling them, um, would look to him and say like, yes, that's exactly what I want to be. Mm-hmm. And they did such a good job, I think, of of putting him on that pedestal and just just letting him be Chris Pine. I mean, yes. He's just so fucking good look, looking and he's so nice to look at that, yes. you know, everything was was just perfect. And he was charismatic and he was charming, but he wasn't over the top. Yeah. Um, which I which I thought was 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 nice because I didn't that was OK. That is the one thing I will say is that nobody felt like they were overacting. I didn't think. Yeah. I mean, I would have to say probably the weakest link in this cast, to me at least, was uh, Harry Styles. Just, well. And I don't know if that's like because I'm biased because of the nepotism of, you know, being the director's boy uh-huh. toy. But, right. <laughs> oh, the stands right. are going to come for us on this one. Um, oh, man. The Harry stands are coming out. I can feel them. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's I think it's reasonable that he has, at least to me, the least amount of experience 
in the cast. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of the utilization of different people, I think it's hard for him to carry it on just being good looking. I think a lot of his early lines um, in the first half of the movie just don't have a lot of personality. Like this could be said yeah. or spoken by anyone and it would mm-hmm. have essentially the same effect. Like he just, he's, he's not an actor as much as everybody else is. So. And that's, that's okay. I mean, he's, he's not, you know, his other role that he was in prior to this was in Dunkirk. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of Christopher Nolan. And he really <laughs> didn't have much to do acting wise. Like he didn't have a lot of, li- I mean, nobody has a lot of lines in Dunkirk. It's, it's all, all the visuals. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, he was he was fine in that. I don't know that he was ready to kind of be leading man material. Yes. Um, but you know, fucking a director will get you that whether you're ready for it or not. Oh, what? <laughs> Whoops. There we there it is. Um and and that's, you know, that's that's fine. That is that is what it is. But yeah, I think that he was probably the weakest link. It, but it still didn't feel like I, to me. It just it didn't feel like chew, he like he was like chewing the scenery. Like he was, yeah. you know, upstaging. I wouldn't necessarily call I don't, him bad. I think he was more just lackluster as compared to everybody. Just else. weak. Yeah. Yeah. Just just really um, kind of yeah, kind of the beige to the sparkling goddess, the rainbow of our lives, <laughs> Florence Pugh. Um, she's perfection also i will be taking a shot of her from this movie and giving it to my hairstylist because that's exactly the kind of layers that i want they were so good they were so good yeah um but yeah and her nails too she was hair and nail goals they were (laughs) perfect um well no it was like it was one of those movies that i was like i know the victory salon knows what the fuck they're doing i would like to go there um, there were, there were big plot holes. Yes. I would like to hear, actually, I want to hear what your plot holes were. What did you, what did you pick so, out? The main two that I wrote down, one of them has already been, <laughs> of course, cruising IMDb. Um, one of them has already been uploaded to IMDb prior to my watching this movie, but that would be uh-huh. obviously that like the simulation should be a lot harder to leave. This simulation yeah. should be a lot harder with Chris Pine having such a fucking emphasis on control, like I would think that the boyfriends or husbands would have some kind of visual access to what the girlfriends are doing every day. Um, It sounds based on just based on the movie. It sounds like because everybody's talking about promotions and things like that. And this could just be that like it's a cover for whatever is going on in the simulation itself. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like these people are employed by Chris Pine and doing yes. work for him. And that's how they make money to like kind of Amazon buy into working for them, buy into their simulation. You can pay off your credits, shit like that. Um, right. But I think that would be a really <laughs> like if you're working for the simulation it would make sense to have access to what your girlfriend is doing in the simulation, I would think. Yeah. So, all in all, it just it should be a lot harder to leave. 
it should be a lot agreed it should more be a lot it should have been a lot more difficult to leave and it should have been clearer exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Not like, like what is the job though that like, yeah. are they coding? Are they right. like, are they, you know, like what are they running interference? So like people right. don't notice that they're, you know, drugged and <laughs> hypnotizing their yeah. spouses. Like what, what is the what is the thing here? Yeah. Um, that and I just yeah I felt like like there I were there were cool moments were just like they didn't add to the plot. It's like oh are we making yeah. weapons? Like no, it's we don't need to right. add that layer. Like, yeah, and that's just it. It's like why would you then build? Also, why would you build in? <clears throat> Why would you build in the secrecy of what the Victory Project is? Why would you, if you wanted a a bubble, if you wanted to build a bubble of perfect, you know, post-war 1950s glory, mm-hmm. why would you introduce such an element of doubt? Yeah. Already. Like a huge secret thing that's going to cause tension in marriages. Like it all, it all hinges on these women just aren't going to ask questions. Yeah. And maybe that's like, oh, well, yeah, because they didn't expect them to because they didn't, you know, they're stupid women. And if you let them shop and play at the pool all day, then they just won't ever Mm -hmm. ask questions. But all of these men who bought into this had to know that they are tricking and drugging and simulating their partners into staying here. So, why is it not like, you know, like in Westworld when when they they see a photo or something from the outside world, why is it, you know, it's not like they, they have that built in phrase of that doesn't look like anything to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so it just it felt weird that it was like, OK, so you're going to you're going to build this big like secret base like we can't talk about what we do at work all day, honey, blah, blah, blah. Like, why not just make it something boring? Yeah. Like, why not just say like, oh, yeah, they, you know, well, the, uh, the Victory Project, they make. Yeah, the Victory Project, they make pens, they make mm-hmm. pencils, like something really dull, but yeah. it pays really well. Mm-hmm. And then that way nobody asks questions. And why is there redacted fucking files in a simulation? Why was so she I allowed to do that? I read the trivia okay. on that. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's apparently like a play on dreams and how you can't read or write in dreams. So much was redacted mm-hmm. because the simulation is like a dream. And like, I'm wondering if these are just like, I think we're trying to make it more intelligent <laughs> potentially than it is or than it thinks it is yeah. or as intelligent as it thinks it is, but isn't uh-huh. um, like if I were to define that as easily as possible, that could have just been like an encrypted file that lives in the simulation right. that she got a hold of. And that's why she couldn't read any. I don't know. I don't know. Are we, <laughs> I, yeah, it's- we do this. <laughs> this. This is something I've noticed that we do is that we try really hard sometimes yes. to add substance into these movies where it just yes. doesn't exist, and and that's that's fine. Um, that's okay. That's that's what it's there for. But yeah, I just thought that there was like there was a big, there was a big missed opportunity to make 
especially make the other women not just like angry and dismissive. Right. Like they, you know, it would have been, I think it would have been better if they had just kept treating Margaret like she would say things and they would respond as if she'd said something that was on part of the script. Right. You know, like, wouldn't that have been creepier for her to be like, why are we here? We're not supposed to be here. They're doing something. They're trying to kill me, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, oh, Margaret, you're such a gas. Like, I don't know. I think that would have been that would have been creepier than immediately setting Margaret, sadly, the only woman of color um, in that group, which Mm -hmm. I was like, really? Really? We have to other the black chick even in the the simulation where everything's supposed to be perfect. Like, come on. Um, But whatever. Uh, That, you know, she was immediately like the outsider, the outcast because she had this slip. Mm -hmm. And which draws even um, more and, attention and, to things that Chris Pine does not want drawn attention to. Right? So. Like, you know, I get that, that, and I think that if, like, if you wanted to just focus on making the audience feel like they were also going crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I really like when they, they take that kind of, you know, first person narrative with like, mm-hmm. and, and show us through Florence's eyes, like through Alice's eyes, like why ever, like everything should have been normal, you know, mm-hmm. even just little things like when she was cracking all the eggs mm-hmm. and there was nothing in them, like, well then why not in the next like scene have her turn around and there's, there's a perfectly prepared egg dish. Like why, you right. know, it was like little things like they could have just gone a little bit further and maybe those are things that were cut for time or whatever, but Right. It just felt like it felt like they didn't commit enough to any of the ideas they were being derivative of. Yeah. And I think that comes into the idea of like fucking with pacing is there's so much mm-hmm. that we know hit the cutting room floor, um, particularly because Kiki Lane and um, Ariel Stachel both had anticipated being in the movie more. Um so we know and just that there's weren't. a lot. Yeah, we know that there's a yeah. lot that hit the cutting room floor. I think that the editing, whoever was on the editing team for this, I feel like that's kind of where we drop the ball and po- possibly, probably at Olivia Wilde's direction, dropping the ball on that front. Mm-hmm. Like we get it, babe. Yeah. You know, fingering is very important, and Harry Styles fingering <laughs> Florence Pugh is very important. I get it. Um. But I think super important, <laughs> very wiser, important. Wiser decisions could have been made. Yes, yeah. Um, and and again, those those moments making saying like it it really does kind of rub me the wrong way of when it feels like um, kind of like first grade feminism of like mm-hmm. no, see, it's up in your face with how like you know centralized it is, uncentered it is, it is on the on the woman's pleasure and the woman's sexuality, mm-hmm. and that's not it doesn't help the story at all. It doesn't tell any part of the story and that's not the story you're telling. So, you know, why are we spending so much time watching Florence have orgasms when there is more story that you are actively neglecting telling? Right. To like prove this point that you're, you know, you're a sexy film director who, who wants to center on, on, you know, female pleasure as opposed to the male. 
Um, obviously, I too would have more of an orgasm if Chris Pine walked in on me <laughs> in his room and yes. then just stood there creepily for a while and then left. I, would, I was like, yes, good job, Chris Pine. <laughs> well done. Perfect. Because if because if nothing else happened, if it was just another sex scene between the two of them, I was gonna be like, "Come the fuck on!" Yeah. Like we get it. Yeah, they're in love. They're obsessed with each hot. other. I know my girlfriend's hot. Yes, <laughs> got it, it's, Olivia. We fucking get it. Okay, yes, your boyfriend is great. So is our girlfriend. Um, but we don't need to see them fuck like rabbits the entire time. You're missing the plot. But yeah, then then Chris Pine walked in. It was so good. Being creepy. Um, yeah, I just now I keep thinking about what if this movie had had Shia LaBeouf in it and how much I would have <laughs> fucking hated even pretending to watch it. Yeah, it would have been a nightmare. It would have been a miserable, miserable experience. So while Harry Styles might have been the weakest link, he was so much better than Shia Ten LaBeouf. steps above Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Ten steps above the Shia LaBeouf option. I was going to say, he's 40 steps below Florence, but he's still 10 steps above Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, something else I thought was interesting, and when I was looking at trivia, other than Jordan Peterson crying like a baby man, mm-hmm. um, because Chris Pine hurt his feelings, but also um, that this script, and I, I, I mentioned this earlier, this script was a, um, a rewrite of a Blacklist script. Yes. And I'm using air quotes here uh, with with rewrite because one of the things that kept being said in the even like it was like pre-production. They barely had gotten the ball rolling on this on this production. And the thing that Olivia Wilde kept saying was like, oh, we completely rewrote it, blah, blah, blah. They didn't completely rewrite it. They changed just enough so that Katie Silberman got the writing credit for changing the ending as opposed to Carrie and Shane Van Dyke. And I believe, and, and the thing with blacklist scripts, do you, are you familiar with the concept? Run through oh. it again with me. <laughs> okay. Um, for those, for those at home who don't know, um, a black, the blacklist is something that comes out yearly and it's the scripts that are this one guy who just compiles this list. He, he, they're all they've all been passed over by major studios so mm-hmm. he compiles them puts them online anybody can find them and then option them from the writers um but they have all been kind of cast aside from from the studios nobody's wanted to to run with them so um olivia's first olivia wilde's first movie book smart was also on the blacklist right and this one so the blacklist so book smart came out in 2019 this script hit the blacklist in 2019. So clearly that's where she's she's comfortable getting her ideas from. And this is not like it's not like it's not, it's not like it's bad to take a script from, from the blacklist. It's actually right. great because films don't get made the for all sorts of made. reasons. Yeah, so then the movie gets made and this writer then gets the opportunity to have their film made, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so so they took this script from the blacklist and they claim that they did a total rewrite and they completely changed it and honestly they really didn't um they changed like i said they changed just enough to change the writing credit and i think the original maybe had more of a pro incel ending like i don't think that they that she got out or 
maybe they both got out, but they were pulled back in. I haven't read it, but I do know just from like whatever everybody had said is like this. There's not it's not the drastic change. She didn't re like they didn't reinvent this this script. Right. Um, which, you know, as a writer kind of bugs me that that's kind of what they were saying the whole time was like, oh, we took it and we made it so much better. And it's like, well, no, yeah. you took the material and you tweaked it. Yeah. You didn't change it. You tweaked it. And I don't know how it works in Hollywood. I don't write for the the, the silver screen, but it bothers me that Katie Silberman is credited as the writer of this screenplay based on ideas from Carrie and Shane Van Dyke. And that's not how it's not how it went down. But so we know how we feel about it. Do you do you want to guess how the critics felt about it? I have a feeling this one was a I have a feeling this one was a medium rare uh, where it was generally well well received but not sterling and sparkling because I was I was in fact when I was getting ready with our made up Oscars um, Mm -hmm. I was definitely looking at the 2023 Oscars predictions list and this oh, one yeah. was not very high on people's uh, radars <laughs> for the 2023 Oscars. I'm not sure why. It was so, which, <laughs> so cohesive. Um, I'll get into the other plot hole that I have in a second. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. I will say this one got maybe a 65 on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Oh, guys, she's so generous. She's so generous. Ooh. Ooh. No, my love. This one came in a nice, unripened 38% from the critics. Wow. Now, in, in classic, I would say classic fangirl film club fashion, uh, the user reviews the audience score was much higher and i think it was all because of the harry Styles stance <laughs> so that's fine they pad the score that's what the fangirls do that's why yes. we don't look at the audience scores for our reviews yeah so yeah 38 percent boy oh boy from the people who seem to know best um <laughs> just a couple i did i did pull just a couple reviews um a lot of people were very nice and concise, uh, which was good. Uh, Casey Chong, for instance, just said, a complete missed opportunity. Mm. That's it. Short and sweet to the point. Yep. Clearly, Casey was under deadline. <laughs> they were like, fuck it. I don't even care about this movie. It was a missed opportunity. Period. The end. Send. I'm, mm. I've got my review in for the week. Um, Matt Pice said it was a repetitive mess that never expands past its first idea. Mm-hmm. I would agree on that. Okay. And then my man, Craig D. Lindsay from Nashville Scene, with my favorite review, came out saying, if only the movie were as fascinating as watching the cast act a damn fool while promoting it. Let's hope this press tour never ends. Accurate. Most certainly accurate. Super accurate. Super, super accurate. Um, oh, something else I did want to discuss with the trivia and speaking of the of the cast acting a fool and all of the drama, Spit fucking gate. middle school level drama, Spitgate <laughs> and 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 Florence and Olivia not talking to each other and Jason Sudeikis 
That's showing up and acting crazy and all kinds of crazy shit, whatever was going on with all of that, I kind of think it was blown out of proportion because yeah. somebody's reps, and I don't even know at this point whose reps it would have been, probably got hold of the idea of this movie and were like, you know what? We don't actually have a winner on our hands. We need to figure out a reason to get people to come to see this sh- this movie. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of it felt pretty manufactured mm-hmm. <laughs> and unnecessary. And I think just a lot was kind of stirred up and drummed up to get people talking about it Absolutely. because there's not a lot there there. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. style and the substance, definitely. Uh, and I could definitely there's, there's see this. There's a disconnect. I could definitely see this taking home a couple of awards. Um, the styling, hair and makeup, you know, mm-hmm. definitely going to be yep. up there. Set design, cinematography was very pretty. Um, mm-hmm. But the substance. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I had to give it a made up Oscar, and I only have one, um, I said that best choreography in a trained monkey dance goes to Harry Styles at the yes. <laughs> crazy flapper party, whatever that was. I don't that know. Yeah. that, And that's where my best worst line comes from. My first of my oh, best. Oh, okay. Lines. Make the boy dance. Please share. <laughs> <laughs> I like your deep, sexy voice when you said it, though. <laughs> not at all how it's delivered uh during the scene i know i liked it i liked it so much better if i were to take chris pine's role in this movie which i would not do because he's already flawless i would have delivered it make the boy dance make the boy dance um i had two uh best worst lines and the first one was at the very beginning uh came out of the gate strong Mm-hmm. Of uh, she's pregnant and she needs another drink to keep that baby healthy and strong. Oh, Nick Kroll. I'm so glad you were when in this for five just, minutes. When they're just fucking blitzed mm-hmm. and like sloppy drunk and the pregnant woman is chugging down martinis. Yes. Um, and then the other one, speaking of martinis and speaking of that scene, um, not that, not the opening scene, but the dance hall scene dance, uh, yeah. was in reference to that. It was the next scene at the dinner party at the at the Chambers home. Was uh, I'm trying to get my wife into a martini glass. What, were those both Nick Kroll? Uh, it was yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I love him. I do not know what he was doing in this movie. <laughs> I don't I know think, where he came from. I think, I if, think Olivia Wilde owed him asked, a favor. I think if we asked Nick Kroll, he would also say that he did not know what he was doing in this movie. I think if he were here with us today, he would share your sentiment that he did not have the slightest (laughs) idea of what he was doing in that movie. He was just, he, whatever he was doing, he was doing it with capital letters and lots of exclamation points. Nick Kroll is always best when he's up to 11. I don't know if you've seen his comedy special on Netflix, but there is no better Nick Kroll. No. Oh boy, I think you would. I think you would really enjoy it. There's a lot of talk of uh, po- uh, pooping pants, and he's 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 Classic. terrific. He's wonderful. 
classic. Um, what? Oh, you had, but you had one more. Um, you had one more plot hole before we. The other plot hole, which before I we give like it a grade. You've definitely touched on this, and it's something that mm-hmm. I just unfathomably to me. And this could be like, it could have been answered in the movie, but it was not answered thoroughly enough. That Alice Warren, MD, by the way, who Florence is yeah. what twenty seven years old, and Something MD, like that, yeah. Um, MD. Alice Warren yeah. seems like a relatively well liked doctor at the hospital where she works because people are calling out to her and uh-huh. excited to see her. She's there for thirty hours at a time. Is right. nobody sending in a welfare check? Because I feel like this has been going on for a while. Yeah, nobody. I mean, okay, that is so that is actually a really excellent point is that they didn't explain how much time had passed. Yes, in in the thing. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe it was supposed to be, you know, vague and opaque about that. But it was like, I think they could have leaned further into the missing Mm -hmm. time and and the the confusion of how long the days are and how you know also kind of if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about how you know these men view their women being at home waiting for them with a drink as soon as they walk in the door with a clean house and a well-cooked five-course meal blah 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 um as the paradise and then but you want to show from the women's perspective how it wasn't that Mm -hmm. then then you know show how long the days were show how bored they are show you know if you want to show the the gaps and the 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 less happy side of of paradise quote unquote then then show that then explain that but yeah there's no indication that she has family outside of him in the real world so like why even if they just showed like you know her phone full of texts from her you know from the hospital or you know her mom yeah yeah, the boss her mom a sister like a friend Mm -hmm. somebody also like not again not to be like whatever but like the fact that they made her a doctor Mm -hmm. and they put her in the shittiest apartment with the shittiest boyfriend I'm like what hospital are you working at Florence Pugh MD that you're not making enough to to just be by yourself right or at least in a nicer apartment right like you know when she was like I'll work extra shifts I think as 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 much as like yeah we want to it it, it's a bigger shock to see that she was a doctor um Mm -hmm. it kind of does it make sense when she says things like, I'll just pick up more shifts. It's fine. Like that's not right. That's not how being a doctor works. Like you're not a, like she's a surgeon. And yeah. this is it. She's not like a, she's not a pediatrician. She's a fucking surgeon yeah. in like an and ER. And you do not want surgeons picking up extra shifts. No. <laughs> you really want your no. surgeons to be at peak, peak condition. Yeah. 
Yeah, you want them to be fresh. You want them to be, you know, wanting to be there, not feeling like they have to be there. And that's mm-hmm. why they're paid so well. So that when right. their brain when their hands are in your brain, they're not yeah. sitting there like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I really wish I was home playing video games. But, you know, my stupid boyfriend doesn't make enough to pay the rent. So I have to be here. Yeah. Like, no, that's not how it works. So, yeah. So it was kind of odd that I was because I was thinking I was like, well, if she's a nurse, like if she's an RN. Like, yeah, right. that makes sense. Yeah. That they're, you know, financially struggling because RNs are And I saw on and- uh, IMDb that somebody had incorrectly labeled her as a nurse. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, which would they- be indicated by this. This would be something that is supported by the idea yeah. of taking on extra shifts. But number one, somebody calls her Dr. Warren. And number two, there right. is big bright i think red md on her chest in that scene. md yeah there so. is no yeah there is no in like there's no it's not confusing at all she's definitely a doctor mm-hmm. and a surgeon like she's talking about i mean even if she's an er surgeon which is mm-hmm. what seemed to be the case and she said like i stitched up 30 people or 40 people or whatever whatever she right. said um you know she's still an or, or an er surgeon who would have been yeah. Extreme should be extremely well paid. Yeah. So I don't think that made sense. And also, again, just like the fact that is this the part that you guys changed so much? <laughs> right. You changed to make it more feminist. Like, was she just, you know, I mean, if she, yeah, if she was a nurse, if she was even a social worker, or mm-hmm. somebody else who does life saving important shit that we pay fucking garbage in this country, yeah. like, yeah, that would make total sense. But that, and then, yeah, just that that she had no other support system outside of him. That this, this to to use a Tumblr word, this scrangly. <laughs> gross looking man just like with his bad patchy beard and his horrible hair and his filthy clothing does not even qualify for a meow meow does he's not a meow meow he has committed not enough atrocities and is not attractive enough to be a poor little meow meow he's not even a blorbo um he meows in the simulation he's just a scringly gross old man um at the age of 29. 29 and, going on 70. And I, yeah. <laughs> like, he was too, frankly, he was too pathetic. Yes. He was too pathetic for her. I agree. Like if, yeah. if he, if, yeah, if I think you're right, if he had just been a little less gross and a little, you know, like he could still have a job, but doesn't yeah. make as much as she does, that would be enough. That's enough mm-hmm. to send some people over the edge. Yes. Um, Particularly you know, the Peterson fans. Right. Um, yeah. Something that they're told, you know, that they deserve to make more money than women. Mm-hmm. If he didn't because she was a doctor and he chose to do something else. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's the bones are there, I think, right. to make this make sense. But they went too far. They let... They let Harry Styles not shower for too many days before he came in to film that. And it was disgusting. They know, you know that Harry sh- Harry Styles showers regularly. They, the well-paid hair and makeup department who said, <laughs> you know what, why don't we just make him ugly? Why don't, we've done everything else already. We've made everything else glistening and perfect and beautiful. 
let's just this is our real test of talent is to make beautiful people this, ugly it's true it is true it is a true test of talent and, and well done to those people because they did make him fucking Boy, gross was he and harry <laughs> and harry styles is a lot of things but i gotta tell you he is not fucking gross on it's own. another uh, <laughs> wonderful nick kroll line i think where he's like because you're so hideously unattractive to harry styles yes yes that was just that was just nick kroll talking about harry styles that was not in the script um yeah like i just ugh. 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 <laughs> but it just it just didn't make sense because even if even if florence wasn't florence mm-hmm. even if she was like less gorgeous and charismatic and again less well liked if they had shown that she had any sort of like kind of you know self-esteem issues the ending of midsummer worked for me which Mm -hmm. like this is something (laughs) stereotypically this is something that my husband and i disagree on um by the end (laughs) of midsummer (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's midsummer that is why it is a stereotype But by the end of Midsummer, I'm like, <laughs> like most women who watch that movie, I'm kind of in the good for her vein. And obviously oh, not yeah. an artist because it's like, yes, being in a cult is bad. Yes, being in this group that <laughs> sacrifices people is bad. I understand that. But like, what else does this girl have to live for if not for one one day where she gets to be celebrated as the May Queen because she has nothing else going on? She well, has and, nothing. And, with, and that's established with Midsummer, and that's it makes sense. <laughs> it's not it's not just a a female vengeance moment. It's yes. the fact that she had all of this grief and she gets to share it finally with yeah. this group of people and they take it from her and they yeah. they give her something to to say like this is this is us taking your grief and we're we're manifesting it for you. Yeah. Is this moment of vengeance that you deserve because this person hurt you so badly after yeah. the rest of the world has hurt you so badly. We're taking this from you and we're letting this manifest the way that you wish it would. Yeah. And and it makes yes, and she has nothing in that movie and they they go to great horrific lengths to show you how much nothing she has. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, a lot of people, men or women who get to the end of, I guess I know, I know your husband now, um, who get to the end of Midsummer and don't feel a little bit like, well, that, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I know that he like, Good for He's her. Like, yes, like that guy fucking sucks. But also, like, this is a cult. <laughs> and yes, I think that a lot of people who. I, you know, the internet whatever. is just such a place. The internet is just such a place where people will take, like, if you offhandedly say good for her and be like, actually, she's <laughs> in a cult and this is really bad and she's just moving from <laughs> one abusive relationship to the next. Yes, I get that. I know that the smile at the end is the smile of madness it's not supposed to be a genuine this is now going to be it's a happy catharsis yes yes no no like our it's, viewing it's comprehension <laughs> yes our viewing comprehension yes. it's it's okay it's okay and midsummer is a horror movie 
So it is not supposed to have a happy, well, you know, well-adjusted cathartic ending. Like it's, she is one of them now. That's, that's how that movie ends. She's, she's witnessed all of their horrors and she's decided that's the place for her. Um, Also, okay, so let's, but can we just real quick talk about the mess of an ending that was this movie? Yes, please. Yeah. (laughs) Not Midsummer, regrettably. (laughs) Not Midsummer, which which I think if we're going to make recommendations, if you want to watch a Florence Pugh movie, I think you can probably tell where we're going with this one. Always Midsummer. But always go for it. Um, But but with the end of this movie, when she, you know, makes it, again, poor baby, always running barefoot over rough terrain in a blood-soaked sundress, always being chased in that exact (laughs) combo. Um, But when she, you know, when she makes it, like, again, this also doesn't have a happy yay girl power ending right like because there's nothing to say that she's not going there's not going to be consequences when she wakes up like what's his face is fucking dead yeah yeah he's dead and if if these dudes can get out of this sim which i guess they can can they i mean i don't know i don't even know if the red dudes actually exist that's yeah confusing to me Uh uh-huh i mean i guess i have the Um, hope because you hear her like gasping for breath but it's hard to tell what kind of money chris pine's people would have that like okay would they be evil would they be able to send people to come track her down because they've got her boyfriend's credit card billing information on file or Right. Is this a really isolated kind of situation where she's going to have to tell people? I it's it's unclear. It just it, and I feel like they didn't do enough to kind of earn that ambiguous ending because mm-hmm. this movie didn't know what it wanted to be, and I just wish it had been Stepford Wives. Because <laughs> I like the idea of Stepford Wives. I think it's yeah. fun. I mean, it's not fun, but it's you know, it's it's a solid thing right knows what the fuck it is um, yes it's entertaining, entertaining um, but yeah if 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 i was giving this movie a, i think it, yeah if i was giving this movie a grade i would give it a c plus I have to say I'm right there with you, I think, because it is just so right. visually pleasing all the acting is fun mm-hmm. to watch um just mm-hmm. the plot holes are gaping the holes in this movie are gaping yes every orifice yes. somebody actually <laughs> every orifice <laughs> a gaping empty maw um somebody actually one of the other reviews that i read that was just too long to to write out um was that uh the 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 gist was that Olivia Wilde built a beautiful looking house on a crumbling foundation of a very weak screenplay. Mm. And I was like, that's, you know, I feel that. That's fair. It is a it was beautiful to look at, but nothing yeah. nothing substantial enough to build a whole film off of. Speaking of, so. how much money do you think uh how much do you think she spent oh. on making this? How much what? do I do I think this house cost her? 
Um, It was really pretty. And I know that they shot in like locations that haven't been used either ever in film or in a very, very long time. So I want to say $110 million. Oh, boy. Um, Allegedly. Hi. You're very high. Oh, really? According so confused, to IMDb, how much? according to IMDb, yeah. it is estimated that this cost twenty million dollars to make. What? What? Harry Styles what was working for free. Florence? Harry Styles was working was for say, salad dressing. Some of that. Sweet, say, Harry Styles dressing. was working for pussy. That's all mm-hmm. he was doing. And what the fuck did they pay Chris Pine and Florence Pugh then to show up in this movie? What did they pay them? Garbage. Because yeah. the, I mean, there's so much going on. I am shocked. $20 million? Holy fuck. You can't yeah. make anything for $20 million anymore. Well, Kevin's been shit. <laughs> All right, but let's take your average Kevin Smith movie <laughs> and see how that looks and then put it next to this sparkling spectacle in the middle of the desert are we ever gonna watch tusk is that gonna be um, i'm not going to do i don't know baby i'm not gonna do that this time but i it's uh it's your choice this week so so if we do want to wrap up our conversation and and tell tell the folks at home what we're gonna be what we're gonna be watching next week i am anxious to hear what you would like to to punish me with tusk i promise you no i want to (laughs) do i would like to do something um, stupid and absurd and fun. Um, Perfect. Perfect. So as usual, I typically tend to be between two. Would you prefer, I'll mm-hmm. give you the option. Would you prefer something okay. with more action and more heartthrobs or would you prefer something very silly and with different kinds of heartthrobs? Obscure heartthrobs mm. or mainstream heartthrobs? You know what? This had this one had a lot of mainstream heartthrobs. Let's go obscure. Let's let's do that. Obscure in the U.S. So next week we are going to be watching again a Chris Pine feature film. <laughs> oh God! Just my luck, featuring Chris Pine and McFly. We are jumping <laughs> oh, no. back. Into sixth grade, and I will be thriving. Man, (laughs) thriving. Mia's going to be living her best life. Oh, shit. All right. Just my luck. I love, I love two Chris Pines in two two episodes. That's wonderful. Lindsay Lohan coming at you hot. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And because of this was my hyperfixation in middle school. Most of my mm-hmm. trivia will not be coming from IMDb. It will be coming straight from the special features and from everything that I know about this movie that has lain dormant for over 10 years. It will come straight from <laughs> straight from the catacombs of sixth grade Mia's memory. Guys, I'm thrilled. I am so stoked. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to hear all the things about oh, this, have such this a movie. Time. So, oh man. So tune in next time for a a, uh, a wander down memory lane with Just My Luck starring Mr. Chris Pine. Um, but yeah, I think otherwise we could probably get the fuck out of here. Fuck off into the night. Make the boy dance.
And get that woman a drink. She's pregnant. Bye. See ya.